nigga Watts in the house. Now, now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Any questions I ask myself when I question myself. Woo! Let's go. All right, here's my, uh... <laughs> Was that over here? <laughs> my... Zach, good to see you, good to see you buddy. Hey, uh, it's really, I like being closer, this is awesome. Hey, here's my opening question for you. Here's a, it's a would you rather. Would you rather be, have the ability, I'm a huge Marvel fan, so here, it's a superpowers question. Uh, would you rather, uh, very excited for Ant-Man, Quantumania, I'll talk about that later, okay. Would you rather um, have the ability to fly or the ability to teleport? And to be somewhere, in, it says help, okay, let me, so, okay, who here would rather fly? Few, few, God's holy people, okay. Who here would uh, rather teleport? Oh yeah, yeah. Honestly, like I'll be honest, teleport would be my preference as well. Hey, let me, let me tell you more of a, let me kind of contextualize that a little bit. So um, back when I first moved to Orlando, I moved here about five years ago, um, and I first moved here, I moved here February 1st of 2018. February 2nd of 2018, I got my Disney pass, all right? So I get my pass and it was, amazing, right? I was single at the time. I got my pass. I, it was, and I got like the highest, I like broke my budget. Got the highest level pass because like I don't want there to be a single blackout date. I want to go any single day that I want to go to Disney, even on Christmas Day, even on New Year's Day. doesn't matter. I want to be able to go to Disney, okay? Because I'm a huge Disney fan. So I get my pass and I go to the parks and I just go ride and ride and ride and attraction and attraction and attraction and ride and park hop. There was one day before I moved here, I did, anybody just four in one day? anybody? Four in one day? Yep. I did four in one day. That was my recruiting trip. They were really smart. They were like, hey, you should come to Orlando. All right, that took me four in one day. So, so I was like, my, I was fixated on the contextualization of teleportation because how I thought of going to Disney was the success is when I can just arrive at my destination, which is an attraction, as quickly as possible. And then while I'm there on the attraction, right, I'm like, you know, like the old fast pass system, like you're like a, like a, like a slot machining, just getting, trying to get your next fast pass. If you remember, it works a little differently now. Then to the next attraction, to the next attraction, trying to get as many fast passes as possible because the ultimate win for me at Disney was riding as many attractions as possible. Okay. Then the best thing in the world happened to me because I got married. And then the second, thank you, thank you, thank you. Actually, my wife and my uh, second best thing, my daughter, 10 months. I'll, I'll, yeah, 10 months, Vera. So, so I got married, I had a child. Okay. So we didn't have passes for a while. We just got our Disney passes again. Okay. Can I tell you about my Disney experience now? Okay. You see where this is going. I'll share anyway. Thank you for listening. So we get a reservation. Already I'm like, I don't like that I have to do a reservation, but here we are. So we show up. We're going to get there at 9 a.m. We don't even wake up till 9 a.m., right? And then we wake up, then we're getting ready, and they're like, hey, we've got to change Vera. So then we change Vera. Then we change her, right? And we're like, okay. And then she's like, no, we can't leave yet. Now she's hungry. We need a bottle. I'm like, okay. Now it's like 1030. I'm like, okay, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We can still ride a lot of rides. Then we, then we feed Vera, and then she's ready to go. And then, oh, we have to change her again. I'm like, Do we go change her? Finally get to the park, right? And then even like normally, can I show you my normal, hold on. Here's, here's my normal pace of walking. If you've ever seen me walk, I'm like, very fast. Okay, if you've seen me walk, right? How kind of a weird, like, anyway. So, so now I'm walking like this, but within five steps, I don't know how this happens. My wife and my daughter are half a mile behind me. 
So I can't walk that fast anymore or else I'm by myself. So now it's just a completely, I'm kind of saying that in jest, but actually that's true of what happens. Um, it's just a completely different Disney experience. Because if I were to try to go, if my ultimate win at Disney is to go attraction to attraction to attraction, just trying to get to my destination as quickly as possible, teleport to the next attraction as fast as possible, teleport to the next attraction as quickly as possible, I don't spend time at all with my ultimate joy, which is my family. <laughs> Right? And the reason I mention that is because um, that's oftentimes how I think about my faith. Where in my faith, I just want to get to the destination as quickly as possible, and then get to the next destination as quickly as possible, and then get to the next destination as quickly as possible. And here's what this does here's what just thinking of my life in terms of arriving at a destination, here's what this produces within me. It's on your screen here. I'm bored. I'm either cozy or I'm stressed. Thinking about my life purely in terms of arriving at a destination, I'm bored, I'm cozy, or I'm stressed. What do I mean by that? I mean, for many of us as well, it's not just me, for many of us, we have thought historically, for perhaps even now, about our faith in terms of arriving at a destination. Meaning, maybe the destination is, hey, how much knowledge can I consume? I'm going to consume knowledge, going to consume knowledge, going to consume knowledge, consume knowledge, and then we have arrived at the destination, and now we're bored. Or maybe our destination was maybe, hey, I want God to bless me with a, with a family, with a spouse, right? And then we orchestrate our entire lives trying to orchestrate our lives to, to a spouse, and then we're just, then we give up, or we're just incredibly stressed about it, right? Or for some of us, we're like, I just want God to bless me with an amazing job, right? I know, for a lot, especially for a lot of my Gen, free, Gen Z friends in the room, that's here for 22 and younger, we love you at the table. Here's what you're experiencing. Uh, the world, I don't know if you're aware, is not good. Okay? And the world has been not good for a long time. And you grew up in the world not being good. So I just heard this this week. It's amazing. I stole it. It's amazing. Here's what you're doing you're coping and hoping. You're just coping, right? Just surviving. And you're just hoping. And, but even in that hope, there's a lot of uh, pessimism um, within that because ultimately there's not a lot of hope because there's not a lot of um, opportunities or whatever, maybe however you may be feeling. And I just talked to a lot of my friends, especially my younger friends, and for so many of us, we're just so incredibly stressed about life overall. And why are we stressed? It's because we think about our lives as trying to arrive at a destination. You guys tracking with me? And we think if I don't arrive at that destination, if I don't get the thing that I want, if I'm not going where I, I think, God can, God, can you just tell me where you want me to go, please? And then can I just, you just take me there as fast as possible? Because then I'll be happy. Because then I'll be in your will. Because then I arrive where you wanted me to be, God. God, you're not, you're not even telling me where you want me to go. You're not telling me where you want me to be, God. Come on, I'm trying to do the earnest that I can. I'm trying to do the best that I can. But God, please, can you just tell me where you want me to be? And when we live our life that way, we're bored because eventually we just get to a place to where we're just bored when it comes to our faith. For some of us, we're cozy, or for many of us, we're just incredibly stressed when it comes to our faith, right? Where we're just, we, are, we have fear of messing up. That's the last thing we want to do before the God Almighty is messed up, but all we feel like is we're just messing up before God and we're incredibly stressed about it. But when Jesus thinks about our lives, he doesn't just think about us arriving at a destination, Right? You're like, is Isaac, is there, an, is there another option? Yes, there's another option. When Jesus thinks about our life, when Jesus thinks about our faith, he doesn't just think about in terms of us arriving at a destination. He thinks more in terms of a journey. 
Mm. Remember the people that rose their hand for flight? <laughs> it's a journey, y'all. So here is the story so far, right? And we're going to set up in the text. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, but let me just set it up. So here's the story so far. The story so far is that the world was created for good. But we also know that in page 3 of your Bible, in chapter 3, um, the world is broken um, because of evil, right? And God's people in this brokenness, God's people, um, um, the Jews, um, the Israelites, God's people, they are bored, they are cozy, and they are stressed. And they're coping and hoping for the future. And their world that they're experiencing is incredibly broken. See, and they're waiting, but they're waiting for hope, right? And their hope is in a Messiah. Their hope is in somebody that's going to come, that's going to make everything right. A king who's going to overthrow the current government and make the Jews back into a position of power. See, for a lot of God's people at the time, they thought the destination was God's people being back in charge. Because that's how it was early in the Old Testament. And they're just waiting for that moment to happen again, where God's people could be back the ones calling the shots in positions of power. And they're waiting for a Messiah, a chosen one, a king who's going to put them back and some uh, positions of power, so they're waiting for that uh, destination, right? They're waiting for a Messiah. And with that in mind, they think that this Messiah is going to be this incredibly big, triumphant moment, right? And here's actually the moment. It's in Matthew chapter 4, um, verses 17, right, where the Jews, they're waiting for this triumphant king, and this is what, and spoiler, it's Jesus, and this is what he said. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus announces this new kingdom, and he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we're going to, uh, this spring and summer, we're going to talk way more about the kingdom of God. So if you don't fully understand it or grasp it, that's completely okay. We're going to have a lot of conversations about it. But just to start a conversation about the kingdom of God, here's it. Um, I love this definition here. Where the kingdom of God is Jesus ruling as king over everyone and everything forever. The kingdom of God is Jesus ruling as king over everyone and everything forever. Isn't that amazing? They're like, I want that. I want Jesus as king, ruling over everyone and everything. Thank you for the enthusiasm, Adrian. Right? So, so, that's, so he's announcing, he makes this big announcement. He's like, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right? This huge announcement. So you would think that his next move would be incredibly big. It would be incredibly loud. It would be incredibly triumphant. Here's what he does next. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. Here's what Jesus does next. In verse 18. And while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We're more on that in a second. Verse 20. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. In verse 21, and going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, right? So he has like four people with him now. And immediately they left their boat and their father, and they, they left their dad, right? They're mending their nets. Sorry, dad, got to go. And they left to go follow Jesus, right? So, so now there's these four people, and there, there's not a term that Matthew uses yet to describe these four people. But later on, Matthew does give them a term as well as others that would also include it in that group. And here's the term that Matthew later will use to describe the four people that Jesus has called, right? So you get the sequence now. Jesus announces the kingdom of God. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. I'm going to be in charge of everyone and everything. And my next move is I'm going to go and I'm calling fishermen that nobody's ever heard of. 
and he calls them, right? And now there's four people that are there. And the term that he uses is disciple, a disciple. So disciple means learner. So typically what would happen um, for disciples was not a... um, um, it was not a, a foreign thought at this time, right? Because typically um, this teacher, this rabbi, uh, would come into town, right? And then when the rabbi would come into town, um, people would sit and learn from them, and the parents then would pay the rabbi um, to send their children to go learn um, from this rabbi, right? So this term disciple, even though right now we automatically think about it as just like a Christian term, it's really not a Christian term. It just means following somebody, learning from somebody, having a teacher. A disciple is a learner, from a teacher, right? So now we think about, so uh, for me, um, so my wife and I, um, we're really curious about real estate, right? So, we, so what do I do? I get on YouTube, I just research real estate, enter, and then like so many things come up, <laughs> right? And then I learn, and then so what I found is I've actually found people um, that teach real estate, right? And then like, hey, this is how you do it, this is how you can do it. I'm like, oh, okay. Then I'm taking notes, and I'm binging, and then I'm podcasting, right? And then I found like one particular person that I found that was really good. I thought I like teaching real estate and how to think through it and how to think through the industry. I'm like, okay. So thinking through that, and this is it's so funny because he actually, so he has a course, obviously, because they all do, right? So he has a course, and, he's, and he calls them, you know, my students, right? So here's this guy in 2023 that has a course, right, that has students, that are learning from them. And here's what he's selling. He's selling financial freedom, right? He's selling um, how to learn real estate. He's selling all these things, right? And these students, I can imagine, just like eating it up. Y'all, this is 21st century uh, rabbi disciple, right? Here's somebody that is teaching, right, others how to live like them, right? So that had to catch my, I had to catch myself because although I think he's a great teacher and specifically in real estate, I had to catch myself to not be led into like everything that he's selling because he's not selling the kingdom of God. He's selling how to all these other things as well, right? And then I thought through that and I thought through, okay, well, man, it's, it's, it's so easy to get caught up in somebody else being a disciple of them, right? For so many of us, we're on TikTok. For so many of us, uh, we're on Instagram. Uh, we're on Twitter, right? And then we don't really think about it, but we just think, man, I really like that person. And then we follow them. And then we start podcasts. We just start consuming everything that they have to say, right? And again, there's some really incredible teachers, especially Bible teachers. There's a lot of amazing people, but I just, I want, us to, to know if somebody's actually trying to teach the kingdom of God and how to live in the kingdom of God, or if someone, if we're becoming learners of this other philosophy that's taking us down the ways of this world and not taking us toward Jesus and the kingdom of God. Am I making sense? Okay, so here's what a disciple of Jesus is, right? So a disciple of Jesus is learning to think how Jesus thinks and do how Jesus does. You're a disciple of Jesus. Learning to think how Jesus thinks and do how Jesus does. So it's really important to know that a disciple is learning how to think how Jesus thinks and do how Jesus does. So now, I want us to keep reading, though, because disciples is not the only people group that Jesus talks to, right? Here's another people group that's talked about in Matthew's gospel of people that Jesus talks to. In verse 23, he says this, And he went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. So now the disciples are hanging out with them, teaching in their synagogues, and again, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. In verse 24, so Jesus, y'all, he gets, he gets social media famous. He would go viral on TikTok. He would go viral on Instagram. He'd go viral on Twitter, right? He'd go viral on YouTube every single time. Every time he posted, he would go viral, right? That's the context. His fame spread throughout. Jesus is this rabbi and everyone's listening to him. 
right? Everyone's listening to his teaching. His fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. This is incredible, right? Imagine if you're watching a YouTube video, and then somebody heals somebody, right? And you know, and then they do like, was that fake, right? And then everyone's like the conspiracy videos that are posting, and you're like, no. And then the people that are like then combating this conspiracy video, right? And now people are just arguing if it's fake or it's not fake, right? And Jesus is just healing people. And then as he heals people, He's showing acts of love and grace and mercy while he's also teaching how to think and do as he does. This is what Jesus did um, in Syria and all, in all the areas, right? And because of this, so he uses healing people, right? And casting out demons, right? In verse 25, and great, here's the other people group, great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So people are coming and coming and coming and coming to hear this guy whose name is Jesus. So notice the sequence. Jesus announces the kingdom of God. He says, repent. The kingdom of God is at hand, right? And then he calls these four dudes that nobody knows, right? And then he goes and he um, uh, heals people and he casts out demons. And now these four guys, they're with him, right? The text doesn't, you can imply from the text, they're learning from Jesus, right? They're just walking with Jesus, just learning how he does things. Jesus is doing it. They are right there watching him. So Jesus is mostly known for his disciples, right? See, but there was constantly a wider crowd, right, who surrounded him. And they were, this crowd, they were eager to benefit from his healings, right, from his power. And they were eager to hear his teaching. See, and at the beginning, there was a lot, from these crowds, there was a lot of enthusiasm for Jesus, right? Here's this guy, he's going viral. He's famous. Everyone knows him, right? Right? And it's like the rise of Jesus. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, this person's amazing. And everyone's posting and tweeting about it and telling and spreading links and stuff, right? And just everyone's knowing about Jesus, right? So at the beginning, there was a lot of enthusiasm for Jesus' ministry, right? People are getting healed. People are growing in their faith. Um, Jesus is casting out demons, right? But then, if you guys want to journey with me, we're just going to continue going through a survey through Matthew's gospel. Because I want to notice what happens to these crowds, right? I want to notice what happens. So we keep reading in the Gospels, and those very crowds, they're not seen when things start getting hard, right? Again, a lot of enthusiasm at the beginning, right? A lot of enthusiasm. Oh, Jesus is amazing. He's getting famous. Everyone's talking about him. You continue through the Gospel. You continue through the story. Those crowds are not there, right? We look at Matthew chapter 16, right? Verse 21, where he says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples, remember learners, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Crowd isn't there. Verse 24, he says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would lose his life, for my, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever who loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? The crowds. They're like, woo, Jesus! And now he says this. They're not there. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul, right? Whenever we try to go from destination to destination to destination to destination, my suspicion is we're trying to gain the whole world. We're trying to gain what the world has to offer to us, and we just want God to put us exactly to be able to gain something, next, gain something, next, gain something, next, is gain something. And so what Jesus says is like, what profit is a man to gain his whole, to 
to gain the world and forfeit his soul. And then we get to the end of the, the, end of the book in Matthew chapter 26, where Jesus, he's in the garden of Gethsemane. See, and Jesus is about to be betrayed and arrested. And this is what he says in verse 55, right? And at that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, this is the crowds that he's talking to, not the disciples. This is the crowds that he's talking to. Have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place from that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. So the crowds wanted to kill him. The disciples left him. And all the disciples left him and fled. Right? So after that, Jesus, then he's, if you know the story, he's arrested, he dies, and then you get Governor Pilate, he's there, and it was custom um, that whenever you have two people that are sentenced to death, um, the governor, Pilate at the time, would, uh, would put two people up front, and the crowd got to choose which one they released, right? And if you know the story, right, so there's Barabbas, and there's Jesus. There's clearly the guilty person, and there's the innocent person, and the crowd says, kill Jesus, save Barabbas. This is what the crowd does. Right? Again, initially, remember, this is like, woo, Jesus, initially. So much enthusiasm, so much clapping, right? And here they are now putting Jesus to death. So he's around. So Jesus dies, is in a tomb, and three days later, Jesus resurrects, right? Which is amazing. It's incredible. It's the best part of the story, y'all. Jesus resurrects, right? And then he says, hey, tell my disciples that I have risen, right? And then here's what he says here, right? So now this is in Matthew chapter 28, where he says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted, right? So now here's the 11 disciples. These are the people that were faithful, following Jesus, right? But now they saw him, and some are, are they're all worshiping him, but some doubted. So here's what the scholars believe with doubt, like doubting Jesus. Like they just, how could you doubt Jesus? He's right there, right? Here's what the scholars think. Um, they, some of the disciples were experiencing shame when they saw Jesus. Why? Because they deserted him the last time that they saw him, right? So they're experiencing a lot of shame whenever they see him. Because like, what does Jesus think about me? Is Jesus, like, I don't, just don't know. Like, I want to be okay, but I don't know. I want to worship Jesus, but I just doubt because I'm hesitant because I don't know how Jesus feels about me. And then here, and you've heard this before, here is the call that Jesus gives to all the disciples, right, that are following him, right? Not the crowds, the disciples. In verse 18, you've heard this before, where he says, and they came and they said to him, all authority on earth, heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, remember the sequence. Jesus announces the kingdom. Jesus calls these four guys, right? Um, then eventually now there are 12 people that are with him, right? And then there are a lot of crowds surrounding. Eventually the crowds turn on him. Eventually the disciples leave. Then Jesus dies. Um, he resurrects. The 12 are, are back. I'm like, hey, we're with you, Jesus. Like, we feel shame. He's like, there's no need to feel shame. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back and I want you to teach other people how to think like me and do like me, right? And the reason I mention this, I think this is so powerful, is because for so many of us, we feel so much shame for what we did over the holidays. 
we feel so much shame and condemnation for how our lives have been, right? Maybe for some of us, like we want to follow Jesus, we feel like we're a disciple, but then we just feel so much shame and condemnation for what we've done, right? And I don't know your story, I don't know what you've been through, right? But I love this passage because the same call that Jesus is giving to the 12 is the same call that Jesus is inviting you into, is that there's no reason to feel shame. There's no reason to feel condemnation. If you're in Christ, if you're a disciple following Jesus, this is the invitation, is that Jesus is inviting you to follow him. Jesus is inviting you to be changed by him. And Jesus is inviting us uh, to be on part of his mission. And you feel like, hey, I'm not good enough. Hey, neither were the disciples. They left Jesus, right? They left him. And Jesus still gives the same invitation. So like, hey, go in everything that I've taught you, go and you go tell other people people. Here's the big idea for tonight. It is inconsistent crowds only care about the destination. Inconsistent crowds only care about the destination, right? Committed disciples know the joy is in the journey. Say that again. Inconsistent crowds only care about the destination. Committed disciples know the joy is in the journey, right? And all of us in our journey following Jesus, right? right? It's not um, Disney World attraction to Disney World attraction to Disney World attraction to Disney World attraction to Disney World attraction. Here's the joy that we experience is walking with Jesus and enjoying the pace of Jesus, right? When Jesus calls the disciples, he says, uh, follow me. Here's what the disciples didn't do, uh, uh, or the, the initial calling. Hey, yeah, but follow me. Yeah, but where are we going, Jesus? Tell me where we're going and I'll tell you if I want to follow you or not. <laughs> they didn't do that, right? Here's what the disciples didn't do. They didn't say, hey, uh, I'm not good enough. Just like, hey, it, it doesn't matter. I'm, I, I'm not ready. I'm not ready yet. I'm not good enough. <clears throat> Jesus, you can't use me. Like, you don't know what I've done. Here's what Jesus says, hey, I know you're not ready yet, and I'm calling you anyway, and I'm going to develop you. I'm going to change you. I'm going to disciple you. I know you're not ready. You haven't, you haven't hung out with me. You haven't learned anything that I have to teach you yet. Come, follow me. Trust me right? And I'm going to make you, right? You're not ready yet. Table, we're not ready yet. Jesus is going to make us fishers of men, right? Where Jesus is inviting us to participate in his mission, right? So uh, the two hinge moments, and you've experienced this too, the two hinge moments for every disciple of Jesus is um, the first time that you hear from God, right? Remember that? The first time you heard from God, talk at your heart, Second hinge moment, the hinge battle. The first time you have to trust God. First time hearing from God, first time trusting God and being a disciple, a learner of Jesus is constant hearing from God, constant trusting him and constantly moving forward in in his mission. And y'all, I've experienced this so deeply in my own life to where uh, many of you know, or if uh, if we haven't met before, hi, I'm Isaac, I'm from Texas. If you know me, you know I say that almost every week. I'm from Texas. Um, and uh, for me, my, my destination, I was living my life all about um, destinations and things that I could get to and the things that I could get to and achieve, right? So I wanted to go to college and do well. Um, I wanted to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I wanted to be CEO of a Fortune 500 company and I wanted to be recognized for my achievement, right? So sure enough, in high school, I did really well and got a lot of accomplishments and trophies and ribbons and stuff that doesn't matter anymore. Um, uh, and then I go after I graduate, went to college, I graduated, then I moved to Dallas, Texas, right? And in Dallas, that was 
when I first moved there, everything's going really well, where I started kind of hitting these achievements, these destinations that I wanted to achieve, right? To where I got like the dream job, right? I got like amazing relationships, right? And I got like all these things in life that I wanted. And eventually I got bored, I got cozy, and I got stressed with where I was, right? It was no longer this like woo for destination because the destinations were just like, they just weren't doing it anymore, right? So I'm just bored, I'm cozy, I'm stressed. I feel like I just kept hitting brick walls to where like the, the dream job that I had, it wasn't a dream job anymore, it was quite a nightmare, right? The relationships that I had, I mean, I remember when I, after a few years in Dallas, I just looked around and was like, I don't think I have any friends, uh-oh. Uh, I just felt incredibly lonely, right? So I'm there and I'm, <clears throat> and I'm wrestling and I'm thinking like, God, surely um, there's more to life, right? Surely there's more to life than um, just trying to achieve the things or go after the things that you want me to have. God, surely there's another way to cultivate joy, right, in, in my life. And, and that's what I... Um, <clears throat> That, that's what I discovered, right? So, I mean, I thought I was moving back with my parents, right? I thought my, my dream job, thank you, appreciate it. Right, I thought I was moving back with my parents and then here's what God called me to. God then in 2018 called me to Orlando. It's like, oh, okay. And I had no idea what was about to happen. So I get to Orlando and again, I get here and I'm still thinking in terms of destination. Right? So we're like, I'm trying to go after relationships and go after achievements and go after all these things and just kept heading brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. And like the things that I was trying to go for just weren't quite working, right? And God, years of me being here, years where God just pruned me and pruned me and pruned me and pruned me and just kept hitting brick wall for God to help me realize that my life is not about going after destinations because whenever I'm going after destinations, I'm just living my life just like the crowds. Just what can God do for me and just being really inconsistent in my faith. Here's a much deeper thing to cultivate is being a committed disciple of Jesus where I'm realizing that the joy in life is not in where I end up, but in the journey of wherever God is taking me, right? So I, um, uh, so like, in, you all know this, like in a span of a couple years now, um, so back in like 2020, uh, or I guess two, two or three years now, like I've now like achieved every destination that I could possibly achieve, right? In the span of like two years, I got a promotion, I got engaged, I got married, I got a house and I got a daughter. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of life change, right? So all these destinations. And I've, and I've talked about this before and I found myself like, okay. And I just noticed these feelings that felt unfortunately familiar of feeling bored, of feeling cozy, of feeling stressed. And I was like, I'm tired of this, right? So, so God has amazing people in my life and just reinforce the amazing relationships that I have in my life to be able to process it and talk about it. And, and one of them, so I've been in counseling for a while and I was talking to my counselor and he was saying, and I, I just, it's so frustrating. Like when I first started meeting with him, it was so frustrating where I had like all these questions, right? Hey, well, what about this? How do I think through this? How do I think through this? How do I think through this? And all, all these questions, right? I'm like, and he, here's his answer almost every time. I was like, yeah, man, it's a journey. I'm like, yeah, you didn't answer my question like at all, bro. And he's like, yeah, man, we'll figure it out. C can we figure it out right now? <laughs> like, he's like, yeah, man, we'll, we'll discover it. We'll get there. With a smile on his face. I'm like, dude, like it's, it is so frustrating. And when I first, he first started doing that, like it was it frustrating me to my core. And now recently I'm like, oh, he's right. 
all these questions of like how all these questions are about. How do I get to my next destination as quickly as possible? I don't like where I am. How can I get to where I need to be as fast as possible? And I want you to help me get to my destination as fast as possible. And what he's saying is like, yeah, man, you're going to journey with God and you'll get there when you get there. (sighs) Here we are. See, inconsistent crowds just going after destinations, only care about the destination. See, but committed disciples know that the joy is in the journey, right? And so I love, I love this quote, right? Uh, uh, discipleship, here's what discipleship is, the, the journey of being a disciple of Jesus. Discipleship looks like taking steps with Jesus, big or small, daily, even when you don't know exactly where he's leading you. Discipleship looks like taking steps with Jesus, big or small, daily, even when you don't know exactly where he's leading you. So, so how, so if we don't want to experience just being cozy, if we don't want to experience being bored, if we don't want to experience being stressed, how can we experience this vibrancy of joy in the journey of following Jesus? Here's what it is. Here's what it is. Being a committed disciple of Jesus that shows and tells the kingdom. Here's how you can experience vibrancy with joy with Jesus, is being a committed disciple of Jesus that shows and tells the kingdom. And you're like, Isaac. I'm like, yes. And you're like, cool. I have no idea what that means. And I'm going to say, great. It's a journey. We'll figure it out. And that's exactly what we're going to do here at the table, right? So for our spring series, we're actually starting. This is kind of setting up. We talked through Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 5 comes the greatest sermon in the history of the world called the Sermon on the Mount. And in that sermon is what Jesus exactly, he shows and he tells the kingdom. And that's exactly what here at the table we're going to journey through every week. So here's my challenge for you right? Knowing that um, if inconsistent crowds, right? If inconsistent crowds um, only care about the destination and committed disciples know the joy is in the journey, here's my challenge, here's my loving invitation, is I would love for you to block out your Tuesday nights at seven o'clock every week until May. Knowing that the joy is in the journey. And we're saying, hey, here in our table host and our team, we're saying, hey, we love you. We want a journey with you to help you cultivate vibrancy and joy in your life, right? So that is my challenge to you to cultivate consistency, right? Consistency brews momentum. And if you want to see consistency in your faith and your walk with Jesus, here's a wonderful tool I think that God has given you to be able to help you um, in that way, right? So and so we're starting a new series next week, Sermon on the Mount, Seeing and Experiencing the Kingdom. Um, and here's how I want to um, uh, close. Um, I think for many of us, whenever we focus, whenever, for many of us, when we think about our lives, um, uh, what we see and what we, what we see in the vision for our lives is way too small. It's incredibly too small, right? For some of you, right? You're like, hey, I, I want to be a billionaire, Isaac. How is that too small? And I'm like, That's, your vision's too small, actually. You only want to be a billionaire? Your vision's too small. Great, go for it. Your vision's too small for your life. Hey, Isaac, I actually want to be a get straight A so I can be a doctor. And I'm like, great. That's amazing. Be a doctor and your vision's too small for your life. Hey, Isaac, I want, I want a wife and kids or I want a husband and kids. I'm like, that's amazing. That's the only thing you want? Your vision's too small. I want to help us get such a huge vision for our lives to see and experience the kingdom of God and see if some joy and cultivation of your faith might happen when you get such a larger vision for what God wants to do in your life and seeing and participating and experiencing, right, and seeking the kingdom of God, which is what we're going to talk about um, every single week. I'll close with this. As disciples of Jesus, 
the journey that we're on will never produce the journey that we the journey that we are on that will produce more vibrant joy than anything you've ever experienced is seeing and seeking and experiencing and participating in the kingdom of God. That's what we're going to talk about every week. So I'm going to have some uh, questions here on the screen. Um, you're not going to answer it now. We're actually going to, you'll talk, if you're in a life group, you'll talk about this in your life groups this week. Uh, if you're not in a life group, we'll talk about life groups um, here in a second. But here's the first question you'll talk about in your life group. Number one is read Matthew chapter four, verses 18 through 25, right? This is the passage what we read today. And you're going to ask, what does this passage say about God? And what does it say about people and their relationship to God? So in your life groups, you can ask this. What are your, uh, your life group leaders will get these questions as well. What does this passage say about God? Um, and what does it say about people and their relation to God? What do this passage, air, typo, who did that? That was me, I'm sorry. Uh, what does this passage say about God? Okay, uh, number two, question number two. In Matthew, it's really interesting. In Matthew chapter four, verse 19, Jesus calls the first disciples by saying these three phrases. A, follow me. B, and I will make you. C, fishers of men. A, follow me is following Jesus. B is being changed by Jesus. And C is committed to the mission of Jesus. So in your life groups, you can talk about it this week. Which one of these phrases do you well do you do well? And which one do you struggle with the most? Um, and C, uh, sorry, in question number three. In Matthew chapter four, verses 23 and 24, Jesus used his compassion and resources to show the kingdom to others. Uh, you may not be able to do physical healing like Jesus, but what compassion and resources do you have to show the kingdom to others? You'll talk about that this week. I mean, your life groups, and we'll talk, if you don't have a life group, we'll talk about that more um, here in a second. But here's how I want to close. We're going to sing in response. And the song that we're going to sing is just announcing Jesus as king and the kingdom and us learning how to think like him and do like him as citizens of his kingdom. So we're going to sing all hail King Jesus, right? So I invite you to stand and we're going to sing with us. Um, as well, we're going to have um, people up here. So if you need prayer or want prayer for anything, we're going to have people down here um, that can pray for you. We'll have um, men and women down here to be able to pray for you. But let me pray. Father, we thank you. God, we love you. Father, we're just so grateful for you and for your kingdom, God, and what you're doing here in Orlando. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for our hearts to be transformed. God, I think you change us to be more like you from the inside out. God, I pray against any perfectionism, any performance tendencies, God, any doing for you, God, I pray that you just make us more like you and that we just enjoy journeying with your son, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.